Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! And then there were 10. We're at the final top 10 prospects here in baseball at JustBaseball.com. It's the call-up. He's Jack McMullen. I'm Arm Layton. And, I mean, this is this is the one we've been most excited for, of course. I think the last one we were excited to break down because there are so many nuances and uh, so many fun players to discuss. But, of course, now we get to talk about the top 10 guys, our, our top 10 guys, and guys that have had some interesting notes of late, uh, several recent draftees that have been promoted, uh, several top younger players that have been promoted, like a lot of movement, I think, now within this top 10 in terms of like prospect assignments as well, which would make this pretty fun. And there's more pub on these guys than anybody else in baseball. I think 10 is like, honestly, 10 might be underrated. Um, but after that, I, I think that we get to guys that are as well covered as anybody in the minor leagues. Um, now, does that mean that we need to give you the the eight one one on them? Not necessarily. Like, obviously, you're going to give pertinent numbers. But I, I think the benefit of this one is we can give people like the most up to date update on these guys. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's perfect timing, to be honest. Like, if we had gotten through these top ten maybe last week, ironically, I think we'd have less on, you know, we're going to talk about Cruz. We're going to talk about Skeens. We're going to talk about Amador, who was just promoted. Like several guys that interesting things have happened within the last week. So we'll jump right into that. And then, of course, a reminder that we're going to get into all of the promotions beyond these guys in the next episode, as well as an episode highlighting the players who will potentially or candidates who we think should be considered as rosters expand in September. Also a reminder, if you can leave a rating or a review to help us grow this show, that would be greatly appreciated. Also subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. The link to these write-ups is available in our episode description. Let's jump into it, Jack. We'll jump right in at number 10. Who's Adel Amador? And... I think it's only a matter of time, Jack, before he's top 10 kind of everywhere. Yeah. And I think what a lot of evaluators and rankings and outlets were kind of waiting for was, can he do it a double A? And we're about to find out. Amador, the Colorado Rockies, switch hitting, second baseman. I think he's listed as a shortstop. He still played some shortstop. I think he's capable of playing shortstop in a pinch. But to be honest... He, he's a second baseman to me, and I yeah. still love him as one of the better prospects in the game at that position. A little bit of background real quick, though. Not only is he kind of handling an aggressive – or not even aggressive, but just in a, pro, a promotion to double A. He's doing that off of an IL stint. He got hurt at the end of June. Hadn't played since then. You know, had some rehab games at the, at the complex. Of course, lit it up there. And then instead of returning to high A – just returned straight to double A hits in each of his first two games there uh, where they had him hitting for leadoff and they had him hitting cleanup <laughs> against <laughs> Somerset, which I thought was interesting. Um, this is a really fun player. I told you on the just baseball show when we were kind of doing the rapid fire through the top 100 
that this is for my money, the best bat to ball prospect in the minor leagues. And you do that as a switch hitter with above average EVs at 20 years old. And you're a top 10 prospect in the game. He ran what? He ran a 10% K rate. I think it's right at 10%, 26 Ks and 259 plate yeah. appearances. Yep. So bada bing, bada boom. There we go. Best bat to ball guy in the minor leagues. Um, Amador. Yeah. My only thing is he's gone one for four at each of his first two games. That's not, I don't <laughs> think that's anything special. Do you? Yeah. Off, off the IL. I am to out. Double a. I'm out. Yeah. 400 at the complex is so impressive. And, you know, like, yes, he's walking more than he's striking out. Yes, the strikeouts aren't apparent. Spokane is a pretty easy place to hit, but nine homers for a 70 hit tool guy, I will take. How yeah. many homers do you think he hits in Colorado? I, I think I think he's going to surprise people. The thing with Colorado is I think somebody like Amador, and we talked about this with Luis Arias, and, and why, you know, I wrote something going into the year about why I thought Luis Arias will actually be better at Lone Depot Park because of the fact that it's a bigger stadium. And people are like, oh, well, his power is going to go from minimal to zero. Like, no, well, he's going to have way more room to work with in the outfield. And you know, this was Jeff Conine, you know, pointed this out to, to us on the Just Baseball show because I asked him, like, Jeff Conine hit like 500 at Coors Field in like 100 games. It was like, it's not even an exaggeration. Go look at Jeff Conine's numbers at Coors Field. And he said, I didn't love it because I could go deep there. And like, trust me, I hit, I hit home runs there. I loved it because I could have an ass out single that would be a fly out elsewhere, but everyone's playing so deep it falls. Like Jeff Conan, underrated bat to ball guy that he's just like, I knew I could just put the bat on ball and I'm going to have a bunch of hits. The difference is with Amador compared to an Arias or a Quan or, you know, all the guys that we talk about, the Madrigals, the bat to ball guys. Amador's power is better than all of those guys in the EV department. 102 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. That's several ticks higher. I mean, Stephen Kwan's sub 100. Luis Arias is sub 100. Um, and, and Amador has flashed 110. So, Damn. I mean, a max exit velocity from Luis Arias off the top of my head this year is 102, 103. A max exit velocity from Kwan is 103. 102 like this is a different level of power that this guy has and is he gonna have the same zone contact maybe not but he's 90 percent zone contact this year and i think can be better um but to answer your question i think he can hit 15 home runs of course but where i think he's really gonna break people's brains is how many doubles he hits out there which two doubles count the same man like and i think that's what he's gonna be doing so i don't know if anybody's ever gonna hit 400 again um, and listen, you know where I'm going and it's lofty as shit, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Ted's the last one to ever do it. Arise mm-hmm. could hit 360 right now. Arise is probably the guy that's going to get closest at 370. Or if the stars aligned, Luis Arise, I think can hit 380 with the Miami Marlins. Can Amador put together a year where he hits 380 with Coors Field as his home ballpark? I don't think it's out of the cards entirely. Um, if I could take one player on the top 100 list that has a chance to do that, given their ability to hit and where they're playing, 100. percent Yeah, that's that's my answer. Um, I think he, I think he will win batting titles. He's a switch hitter too, right? So it's like I love his left-handed swing way more, and he's a better hitter from the left side. But he's if you're a guy that the time. you get to eliminate left on left, everyone talks about how Arias struggles left on left, blah blah blah. Okay, well now you have a guy that can go to the right side and at least be league average. And if he's that and hits insanely well from the left side. Yeah. I think this guy could, could hit 350, 360, no problem. Who knows? Maybe even put it up higher than that um, with the new rules. Cause he's a guy that if there's one thing that I could point out, ground ball rates too high. And that happens when you're just a a contact oriented guy, but I'd like to see him, you know, on secondary pitches kind of drive the ball in the air a bit more, but with the new rules, limiting the shifts and things like that, like that works in his favor, of course, and then I think he's going to find a way to c- cut down on the ground ball rate a little bit more as, as it progresses. And he kind of has. The big test is going to be how much power does he hit for in Hartford. And I think that there's going to be some sneaky power in Hartford because I think he hits the ball harder than people think. Like, again, Anthony Volpe had a lower 90th percentile exit velocity. The difference was Volpe lifted consistently. Amador is more of a line drive oriented guy. But my point is being 102 that can play as average power at the big league level. No problem. Yeah. 
get to number nine here, who is Pete Crow Armstrong, who has been playing unbelievable. A little bit of a bang up injury scare, but I think he's totally fine um, in the last game. Uh, talk about a guy that just really hasn't blinked since his triple A promotion. And you've seen a lot of him recently. He's starting to strike out more. I think we were kind of expecting that with the whiff. Um, and, and in Indy, I think he struck out at least twice in like every game of the series. But I mean, the power has really shined through. Talk about a guy who hits the ball in the air. This is one of the highest fly ball rates or lowest ground ball rates in all of the minor leagues. The defense is unbelievable. The speed is unbelievable. And he's just got a knack for hitting. Like, I think this is just going to be a dude that overperforms the lower zone contact rate. Like, 75% zone contact isn't great, but yeah. he just hits the ball consistently. And he just seems to, to somehow hit for average, like, every year. Um, he just seems to be a guy that's going to overperform the peripherals. So this past week, I might have seen the worst version of Pete Crow Armstrong that he's put together this year because he was a 300 hitter in double A. He comes and he's hitting 300. He opened with like a 14 game hitting streak. Um, He doubled off the wall straight away center as the first hitter of the series on Tuesday. After that, I think it was an 0 for 17 stretch with eight Ks. Yeah. and oh, by the way, there was a game in which he commit two errors because he tried to play hero ball a couple times. It was fascinating. Like there was a confirmed triple for the backup catcher for Indy, like off the wall in right center. Canario had leaped for it or Palaza had leaped for it. He didn't make the play and PCA grabbed it in pretty much straightaway center field. So instead of hitting his cut. He decided to try and sling it, and it made its way into the dugout, and it resulted in a Little League homer. Um, Next one was a fly ball to pretty much straight away right field. Canario was camped underneath it, and PCA decides any ball he can get to is his in that moment, and like pretty much collides with Canario, and it drops. So he was hit for two errors, and it was like – it was clear hero ball and it was hard to watch in that game. But having said that with that over 17 stretch and with that two error game in the outfield, I still came away from this week really impressed because he gets to balls that nobody should be getting to. And he makes it look so ridiculously easy. You mentioned the injury scare. He was like so relaxed right before slamming into the wall. It was incredible. It looked like you could do a chalk line on the padded wall because he just went in like both hands up against the wall. Um, He's fine. Like he stayed in the game and he's, he's chilling. Um, But yeah, man, like I just think triple A is a good match for him and and he could go up and be a, you know, late game defensive replacement or a pinch runner or maybe a pinch hitter. And, and that works, but I don't think it's worth it quite frankly. No, and I think he's learning. And, and you know what's interesting, man, is you bring up the hero ball on defense and things like that, and we hadn't really seen that from him all year. He, he's been a guy that's just defended well and and goes and gets everything. I, when you were breaking that down, I had a flashback to the conversation we had with him you know, in the offseason. And the one thing that he said is he takes a lot of pride in the defense because he feels like when he's not hitting, he can make an impact defensively. Well, you're 0 for 17, and I think he was maybe – we always reverse it. It's funny. We're like always pressing at the plate or whatever. Like, I think he was pressing in the field a little bit because he's like, I'm not hitting. I need to find a way to go help my team win ball games because like he is that guy. Like if there's anyone that cares about winning ball games at any level, like it's Pete Crow Armstrong. Like if you put that guy on the cape, I know he didn't play college ball. I bet you he wants a cape championship. Like that guy's got that DNA in him. And like to me, I think – he was struggling for the first time all year. And now it's like, okay, how can I make an impact on this game? Trying to do too much in the outfield is not always the way to do that. He's 21 in triple a. So you love to like get these learning lessons out of the way, like now. And by the time he gets to the big leagues, you know, he can, it's like controlled aggression. It's like taking that big two Oh hack. When you're as talented as Pete Crow Armstrong is in the outfield, you have to have controlled aggression as well, because he feels like, he can get to anything out there, and he just about can. He has a cannon for an arm. He can throw out just about anybody. It doesn't mean you you go for that throw every time. It doesn't mean that you you know try to make that grab every time. Like there's you learn to pick your spots, and 
this is an awesome opportunity for PCA to do that as a 21-year-old in AAA. Talking about the player, this is the only 80 grade I gave out on a glove um, because Casey Schmidt, I think, was a, was a 70 at third. Um, I, I thought, And I wanted to push it, but he was a 70 at third. Pete Grow Armstrong is the only 80 I can remember giving out on a glove. And you know what? It's, it was pretty easy to give out. And again, you mentioned some of those little, little hiccups. Those are things that will, will be remedied as he matures and, and gets more reps. The fact that he is turning into a legitimate power threat is also a reason why I, I'm extremely excited about him. To me, like he really is a Michael Harris starter kit. The difference is Harris puts the ball on the ground a bit too much and, and PCA going to whiff a little bit more, but hits the ball in the air more. I think you're going to have different ways to, to slice it all up, but you're going to end up with elite defense and center stolen bases and 20 to 25 home runs. Like that's what you're going to end up getting anyways, even if it like kind of looks different with the underlying metrics. Um, They both chase too much that, that that's improved already for PCA. And I think he's cut that chase rate down a little bit quicker than, than Mike Harris did. We'll see if that happens at the big league level, but you have a guy here that, 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. I don't think anybody thought PCA had that in him. That's borderline plus with the consistency of hitting the ball in the air, only a 32% ground ball rate. I mean, again, you can really easily project 25 home runs at, you know, at Wrigley. Yeah. I think he's going to whiff. Like, I think you're going to have to pallet maybe in the early going, even something around a 30% strikeout rate. But I find that very palatable when you have elite defense in center field, 25 plus home run power. And the speed to swipe bags. Um, if he strikes out a little bit in the beginning, I, that's fine. So, you know, where you kind of just took my mind was Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, there's there's a lot of similarity there. Absolutely. Because I think, um, it, like Harris, it's just so egregious that, like, he doesn't walk. And, and Witt, kind of same deal, too. But, I mean, if he can pump him out and – like Harris, yeah, it's probably 15 to 20 homers, but Witt at Kaufman, it's, you know, 20 to 25. And PCA, if he lifts it as much as he does, like Windy Day at Wrigley, Quan could have 10 homers in a given season at Wrigley Field with his home ballpark. I believe that's one of the more underrated, like, home run ballparks because summer yeah. day, wind's blowing out, things are going to go. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, like, I think the stolen bases are are something that – people might be sleeping on like he has serious 30 30 35 stolen base upside here yeah 100 and he's gonna get better and better at it too like again this is a guy that makeup wise i will bet on this dude's makeup every single day of the week and it's not just because we've talked to him it's everything you hear from the cubs from evaluators from teammates from opponents opponents love Pete Crow Armstrong. Like, I, I mean, I've talked to guys that play against him and they're like, Oh, he's awesome, man. Like yeah. I love the way he plays. Like he elevates your game, man. And, 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 you know, I think, I think that's what makes him so awesome. He's going to be a fan favorite in Chicago. And I know people are going to ask, well, what if they keep Bellinger or whatever? Again, I always think, you know, you, you, you operate under the assumption that no prospect can just like come up and make an impact. And I think the Cubs are in win now mode and they're going to be in win now mode from day one next year. If your biggest problem is how do we play two elite center fielders at once if they retain Cody Bellinger, God bless. I, I look forward to that to that challenge <laughs> if, I, if I were ever a fan of a team or ever worked for a team. So uh, Bellinger's ability to play first, I think they should retain him. That's a whole different conversation. Uh, but PCA, man, could you imagine an outfield of PCA some days, PCA and Bellinger? That would arguably be two-thirds of the best defensive outfield like ever. Do you – do you think they're regretting the Sayad deal right now? A little, maybe, maybe a little. Um, yeah, it's not like he's been bad, but like, yeah, like wouldn't you rather have Yoshida? <laughs> I, you didn't know it was but early even then. Like, I don't part. even know if I want another outfielder in the fold. Like, if Belly can play right, I think if we, and obviously you're hampering some of the production that Belly can give you, but if Belly can play right and first and PCA can be your full-time center fielder with Hap and left, Hap won a gold glove last year. I think Hap is like a very underrated defender in left. You yeah. got a gold glover there. You could sweep gold gloves in left, center, and right. Well, and you can also rotate. Right? Belly's been getting banged up. He doesn't need to play center every day. I, I forget who I was talking to. Um, 
I think I was talking to Jake Mangum about it in the Marlins org. And he was just saying how like people very much underestimate how much center field like beats up your body. You you, you get exhausted out there. Like it, it, it's, it's a wear and tear because you're, you're back. It's not about just making all the grabs and running into the wall, whatever you're running behind the right fielder. You're running behind the left fielder. Like you have a lot of jobs in center field and, and it wears you down a little bit more body wise. And in terms of, and it wasn't coming from a place of like, complain it was actually coming from a place of hey our jacksonville jumbo shrimp lineup is loaded and this is the best my body has felt because in the past i've been playing center field almost every single day and my body was just like you know at the end of the year this this time of the year i was feeling it he's like this year i'm still going hard and he was given some hard 90s uh he's like i can give my my hardest 90s because i'm not playing center field every day he's like i'd love to play center field every day but you know my legs are under me a little bit more than usual because People don't realize how tiring it is out there. So it's also a liberty that they have too, where based on lineups, if they want to go left-handed heavy, you know, then you put belly and, you know, first base that day, like they'll be able to rotate and do a lot of things. And I think PCA will be big league ready this at the start of next season. Like, I think he's a guy, he's one of my favorites to have every single shot to make it out of camp. And I think it'll be up to him. Prospect promotion incentive. He's going to get the Cubs a draft pick if he's a top three in rookie of the year voting and he debuts on opening day. 100%. The defense gives him a really good shot to win it. Um, James Wood. This is a guy that I think is – I think we can start to put James Wood in the prospect fatigue bucket, man. Because this Nationals prospect is having a fantastic season. He's not even 21 yet. And, yes, he's striking out. What did you expect? He's six foot seven. Um, I, and I, I feel like people are slipping on him a little bit, of course, included in the Juan Soto deal. Anytime you're part of a blockbuster deal, you're going to also be a victim of prospect fatigue a little bit. James Wood is a special, special talent. What I'm starting to see though is, and I think it's good for him is they're moving him off of center into right field a bit more. I think he can play center and I think they're going to continue to give him reps in center once a week, twice a week. And, you know, that's a guy that can plug and play out there when needed. But ultimately, James Wood profiles best as a corner masher, and I think it'll be better for him long term. And, I mean, this guy in his age 20 season is putting up great power numbers in double A. Again, would I like to see him strike out less? Of course. And over his last 40 games, the strikeout rate has continued to climb. But if he repeats double A, I don't even care. He's a six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pound prep bat who's already in double A performing. I want to see him improve the approach, and I think that will take some pressure off of the the swing and miss concerns because I don't think the whiff's egregious. I think it's a little bit of the approach and a little bit of the ability. We talk about guys with long levers. We've seen you know O'Neill Cruz struggle with breaking balls. We've seen Ellie Dilla Cruz struggle with breaking balls. Um, and previously, Aaron Judge. I think this is something that will improve with James Wood as he just continues to get better at controlling his body. But, I mean, dude, he's going to finish this year with somewhere around 30 home runs in his age 20 season, predominantly a double A. Um, I'll take that. If this isn't a young judge, I don't think a young judge will ever exist. Like, this is exactly what a young Aaron judge looked like. And, yes, he's left-handed. but Way more advanced at his age, too. Yeah, I mean, Judge Judge was kind of a weird one because he was just the massive kid that happened to play baseball, and it's like, oh, you should be the tight end. Wood is like, you're huge, but you're a baseball player, and you look like a baseball player at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wood, it, it's so hard to say that somebody is going to have a swing as simple and be as strong as Aaron Judge is because Judge has, I think, 60 pounds on James Wood at this point. Same That's height, crazy. 60 pounds. Because um, Judge is what two seventy five, two eighty. Is he? I think he might yeah, be. He's probably got about forty, fifty pounds on him. Aaron Judge is listed at, as I misspell, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Carson? Judge on Facebook. No, I did at AAE. Um, yeah. Aaron Judge six seven two eighty two. So he's got sixty two pounds on James Wood right now. Um, Jeez. It's hard to imagine that like somebody's going to be as much of a physical freak as Judge is, and Wood will probably never get there. But when you look at sheer power ability, you've got eighty raw power future on him. The hit yeah. tool, like Judge, still whiffs. He still does. He's a you know mid to high twenty percent K rate guy. 
the ability to play center, but the ability to be gold glove caliber in right is fascinating to me. And this guy's a unicorn in minor league baseball right now. Yeah. And, you know, like maybe the, the present hit tool might be a 35 than, than a 45, you know, because he did go up to double and whiff more than I thought. The zone contact rates were really good at the lower levels. And that's the thing to me is you talk about the simple swing. I really think it's a pitch rec thing. And I think that'll come along. <laughs> he was somebody that played basketball and baseball through high school. And then right at the end of high school was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on baseball goes to IMG Academy. And dude, his swing at IMG Academy was brutal. We're talking about like Aaron judge's swing on the Cape was brutal. It's kind of a similar situation, just different timelines. Aaron judges, I think has one of the worst swings uh, of, of a full-time Cape player ever. <laughs> like, If you go back and watch some video, it's brutal. James Woods IMG Academy video is like bad. That's why he slipped to 62nd overall, uh, despite being an athletic freak and a monster of a human being. Um, and like, he's already smoothed that out. The contact rates were great at the lower levels. And then all of a sudden, you know, big boy breaking balls have given him some trouble. I, I'm not that concerned about it because, again, he's remained productive. He crushes hangers. I think he'll find a way to be consistent enough to, to hit the, the quality breaking balls. 12 batted balls over 110 miles an hour this year. And, again, you mentioned, like, there's, there's room to add strength to this frame. Like, there is, which is the scariest part. And that's why I have 80 future power. He's already hit balls 114 miles an hour this year. Um He's gonna he's gonna have 80 power like he's already almost there. So I'm excited about Wood. I think he profiles as a really good defensive right fielder. He's got sneaky speed. He's the approach is gonna get better. Double A's been a good challenge. He's met his match, and I think he's gonna bounce back next year. He's not even bounce back. He's been good this year. I think he's gonna build off of this next year. They might start him in double. He's gonna go nuclear. I think in the start of the season and then get up to triple and. I'm excited to see what this looks like. I also think this is a guy that will benefit from triple A because double A, the zone is huge for him. He's six, seven. And I think there's probably a lot of inconsistency with the zone for him. You get to triple A with ABS and things like that and better umpires. And I think that's going to work in his favor too. I think better pitchers kind of exploited, you know, the, the inconsistent zone for him. And I think that's why we saw the chase rate go up because it wasn't that high in the lower levels. I believe it. Number seven, former former farmhands. You know, they used to play together, but ultimately this was the one guy the Padres kept. Jackson Merrill of the San Diego Padres checks in at number seven. And Merrill, man, like he's just been so consistently solid. And again, this is a dude that I'm waiting. Like we haven't even seen the best of Jackson Merrill yet. We really haven't. Like, there's still so much more to dream on. But the bat-to-ball for a 6'3 guy, high school guy from the left-handed side, I mean, we're talking 88, 89% zone contact, who's handled a double-A a promotion in his age 19 season, now 20 years old, with relative ease, just starting to scrape the surface of his power potential. You know, his 90th percentile exit velocity is 102, or actually 103, I should say. But he's popped some exit velocities where you're like, oh, if he can find that more consistently, that's going to be scary. He's had a pull side of 112 already this year. I'm like, man, there's room to add strength. And with plus hit, I mean, potentially plus plus hit. And you can see the potential for plus power, but at the very, very least above average. He needs to cut down on the chase a little bit. He's a great defensive shortstop. I mean, this guy has everything you could want from a shortstop. How does this guy not punch out? That's my big thing. It's like he's running, what, a 15% K rate lower? Lower 12% over the course of the year. How does that happen? Like that power with that low of a K rate, those aren't supposed to go hand in hand. And you know, the numbers, if you just look at like the sheer counting numbers, you combine his his numbers between high A and double A, like, okay, he's hitting 290. It's not 330. He's OPSing 790. That's not 950, like some other guys on this list. So you may be thrown by that, but his ability across the board and how smooth he looks on video and like the the sheer EVs that he's got, I'm like, okay, this guy should be punching, you know, 20, 20 to 25% of the time. I think 22 is palatable. The fact that it's 12, 
What? It's crazy. And and he's just scraping the surface of his power. Like there's so much more power in there. That's the crazy thing. And he's also chasing the 31% chase rate guy. Like that's high. There was so if, if yeah. and he's cut that down by the way real quick over the last 25 games down to 25% and guess what he's done the last 25 games. 299, 384, 464 with three homers, 12 walks, 15 strikeouts. Like this is, and he's hitting the ball in the air more. I think Jackson Merrill next year will be the minor league player of the year. If he's there, he won't be there long enough. He'll get called up. Like I think it's all starting to come together for him. And and he's doing it in double. Like it's all coming together for him in double. I see plus plus hit. I see above average power. I see above average defense at shortstop. And I see average to above average speed. What else do you want? Like from the left side of the plate. This is a well-rounded shortstop who's has the potential, I think, to be a perennial all-star. So there was a report from, I think, Dennis Lynn at The Athletic that Merrill could have been a, a sleeper for a late-season promotion, like a September call-up. Thank God they didn't. I just... It's I don't think it's not going to happen now because they're out of contention. But if they were in contention and they did that, that would suck. But I also don't think he would get blown up. I no, think he, he wouldn't get blown up. The level. No, it would just be like, is he is he hitting for any power at all, or is he like in pure fight or flight, like bat to ball mode? And and what right. would that look like? Because what's really and impressed me is seven hundred OPS. Yeah, yeah. What's impressed me is like he's starting to get into the power more. And you know, you're a guy that the the field of hit is what got him drafted. The field of hit is what you know really impressed people. And then it was the growth spurt that really elevated his ceiling. And and then all of a sudden he has all this this length to him and these levers. And now he starts adding strength. And now we're seeing like, oh, my gosh, this is what this guy can be. And that's how he's quickly started to ascend. I mean, he's 27th overall pick in 2021. And people thought that was a reach. He was an underslot guy. And then he starts to add and add and add and add. And people are like, oh, wow, like this guy could be a star. And again, I, I think there's still so much more to add. So yeah. if he adds, you know, five, 10 more pounds of muscle, also just learns how to leverage the lower half better. Like there's some times where he's he still has that bat to ball, like that smaller bat to ball high school guy in him. And I see him just kind of flick the hands and shoot it the other way, kind of Brooks Lee style. And I'm like, you can do that with two strikes, but like, nah, man, like when you get your A swing off, you got one twelves in you. Like I want to see the one twelves because we start seeing those one twelve mile per hour EVs mixed in with the ability to flick the ball the other way, and you've got a combination of of elite hit above average to plus power and a guy that I think is going to be a war machine at the big league level. Yeah. Number six, we got to drop him. He got blown up in double a already. Paul Skeens, <laughs> Paul Skeens, number one overall pick with the Pittsburgh pirates. I'm of course joking, but uh, welcome to double a Paul Skeens. Tough game. Baseball's tough. Um Two- I think it was what two thirds of an inning, three hits, four earned, two walks, and two Ks. He threw thirty three pitches, sixteen for strikes. I don't think people realize how much harder Double A is and how much more talented Double A is than Low A or even High A. Come on, like, especially nowadays, it's a massive jump. I am the- not worried about Skeens whatsoever. I literally watched him in the in the Low A game just work on changeups. Like that, that's all he was doing. He just threw like four straight changeups. Um, and this start, he just wasn't really locating, man. Like it just, he's falling behind. Uh, and then, you know, we've talked about it. The fastball shape is not the best in the world. I'm not worried about that in terms of him being a successful big league pitcher. But the reason why we weren't worried about it is because one, it's a hundred and two, he spots it well. In the days where he's not spotting it well and he's falling behind guys, like he's susceptible to being hit. He's not spe- he's not Spencer Strider where who who also gets hit when he's not locating, but Spencer Strider can always just like fall back on, hey, I can leave it over the middle and there's a chance a guy will swing swing through it. Probably yeah. not going to happen quite as much for Skeens, but I just thought this was a little bit of double A nerves, maybe just a little bit of the zone sh- shrinking a little bit, and. Just the command wasn't there. Hey, that's all it was. Like he just fell behind guys and it wasn't there. I, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I'm not overly worried about it, but I think he fell behind more batters than he didn't, or at least fell behind half his batters. And, you know, 
it stinks when you your first outing is against the Guardians who are going to make you throw strikes. And that was yeah. all it was. Guardians double affiliate. They made him throw strikes, and he didn't. Yep. And he got hit. And he's going to bounce back and have a great start next time out, I, I'd assume. And if he doesn't, I'm still not worried. <laughs> like it, It's it's going to take a handful of bad starts for me to be concerned. Um, the slider just wasn't totally there for him in terms of the sweep. Again, the, the location wasn't totally there. He'll be fine. We can zoom out and talk about Paul Skeens, the pitcher, though, if you want. But we've already talked about him a lot, too. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like I think you have to look at Paul, Screen, at Paul Skeens is closer to Hunter Green than Spencer Strider. And mm-hmm. Hunter Green just signed a $50 million extension. Skeens already has a better changeup than Green. And the pitches yeah. in a vacuum may be the same <laughs> as Hunter Green. Like, name me something that Green does better than Skeens right now. I'm not sure. Um, now, you had data from a different baseball, but now you do have, you know, a, a ball that, you know, is going to change. Like, you get to the big league ball in, in AAA, and he's throwing with the same ball that he was in Bradenton. So you do have some data there. But, yeah, man, I, I think – and we don't need to get into, like, Skeen's the pitcher too much because we did it when he was in Omaha. We did it when he was drafted 1-1. Just know Paul Skeen's is 100 with the fastball. He's got a great slider. He's got a great change that he is working in more in pro ball. This is the best baseball he's ever seen. And I know the production quality of SEC Network baseball is better than the production quality of the Altoona Curve. But, dude, like, high, low A, SEC ball is probably equivalent to somewhere between low and high A. Every level he climbs now is going to be the best baseball that he's ever seen before in his life. You can't expect a 170 ERA and 16 Ks per nine in double A. You just can't. And if you did, then you were wrong in your assessment. Yeah, 100 percent And I also I still I saw a guy that was kind of working on some stuff still. Like That's and again, okay. I, got, I, I think he threw some like cutters in there that I, we hadn't really seen from him. Um that's it's a start. I'm gonna go back and watch a little bit more in detail uh with with now the data loaded in where I can kind of get some of the numbers behind some of the pitches, but some pitches were labeled as as cutters and what i think is interesting is like fairly so because they have a totally different movement profile so i I think he's not chasing results of course he would have liked to get out of the first inning and and this was one of those where he was working on something against low a hitters it was light work now he's working on something against double a hitters and it was like okay maybe i should focus a little bit more on getting out it's like i i gotta get out a little bit too and it's striking that balance um but again i think it was a good learning lesson the last thing I'll say on Skeens is you mentioned fastball is going to always be a little bit more hittable than you'd think at that velocity. Like it's just, it's not going to be as good as some of the other upper nineties fastballs, but if you spot it, it will be. And, and that's the difference. Slider is, we know how good that pitch is. It, and, and we talk about, you know, Hunter green, it's really good. What stands out to me is you mentioned how the changeups ahead of where greens is. It really is. And it's like, it's a split change. He's, he's already slows the spin down on it really well, and he's thrown some really good ones. So if that pitch continues to develop, that takes a lot of pressure off the fastball for me. And if you're still talking about fastball shape, when Paul Skeens is throwing a changeup for a strike, you can shove it because he's going to be just fine with that three-pitch mix. Um, and, I, and I'm excited to see what it looks like. But uh, more interested to see how they handle him. I, I assume he, he makes – you know, a, a few more starts and double. And then once the double A season's over, I know you probably know this. There's probably some things you can't even talk about, but the season in double A ends before triple A. And usually when they want to get guys more work, they send them to triple. That wouldn't shock me uh, to, to get him a look in triple at the end of the year. But we'll kind of, I think, I think his performance will kind of determine that a little bit too. But I also don't think there's too much pressure on the performance here. I think they kind of know what they drafted at 1 1. Yeah, so based on what Ben Charrington said on his show, the Pirates GM, based on what he said on his radio show on Sunday, um, it seems like all but guaranteed that Skeens is going to be in double-A until the double-A season ends, which is September 17. Um, Our triple-A season ends September 24. So if they do want to shut him down at the end of the double-A season, then obviously we wouldn't see him. If they did want to keep him going, then you know we get him for a week, and then I think there's another week or week and a half until the major league regular season's ends. Um, based on what Charrington was saying, it doesn't sound like he'll debut this year. It doesn't. I don't think he needs to throw that much more. I was going to say the one thing I do kind of see is is some of the misses. That, the Vigo was slightly down. 
Like very slightly. Yeah, At, slightly down, meaning 99. Like like 97, 98 to 99. And, you know, I, I, I just wonder if this guy's like a little tired. Like it's not just that he threw a lot of innings this year. It's a, he, he's throwing some high leverage innings. He just won a natty, bro. And then and then he just had his debut where you're going to be gassed up. Like, I, I think he, he, you know, is probably running a little, a little tired at this point. Yeah. Number five, a guy that went right after him, Dylan Cruz. But he's also struggling in double A, so we should probably wrap things up for him too. I think we should drop him out of here. I, I almost think he's borderline worse than Skeens is at this point. I think they both might be headed back to low A to start next year. Yeah. So Cruz, we've been bet, pounding the table, bring Cruz up to double, bring Cruz up to double. Well, it, you know, I, I'm glad they have. And so far he's played six games. He has three hits. Guess what? He's striking out less. <laughs> I told you that would happen. He's. I'm not worried whatsoever. Of course, it's been six games where he is three for 21. Um, let's just talk about Cruz, the player. <laughs> I see plus hit. I see plus power. I see above average run, and I see above average defense in center field. One of the best approaches you're going to find. A guy that oftentimes will be right when the umpire is wrong. And we saw that at the lower levels, but I think that'll travel all the way up to the big league levels. Um, the one thing I think he needs to work on a little bit is staying on sliders. He gets a little oh, – him and, and Langford have kind of the same thing. And, and Kobe Mayo has to this issue, and a lot of young hitters have this issue, where like you don't see good sliders that sweep off the table or like kind of sweep away from you. And you can get away with this, this you know kind of pull off a little bit. And his battle dragged through the zone – at times, and that's why he's so good the other way because he's so athletic. We talk about Jackson Holiday, where Jackson Holiday's front side can leave, but his his back hip is so mobile and his hands work so well and his bat lifts through the zone so long that even if he's pulling off a little bit, the bat lifts through the zone and he drives the ball the other way or up the middle with authority. Um, but it kind of makes it almost hard. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it almost makes it harder for pull side. Like it almost makes for anything that's hard inside, it makes it harder to barrel it up pull side. And if there's one thing that, that Cruz could probably work on is he's good when he's thinking the other way and driving the other way. Um, but there's some times where he just pulls off it a little bit, bat drags and a pitch that he could have probably done damage on pull side. He ends up kind of inside outing or fighting off and doesn't quite do the damage that he should. That is the most specific, specific, specific nitpick I can find on a guy. And I think that's why he's off to a somewhat of a slow start in double A. He yeah, will man. work through that. And I think he's got the hardest part down. He can drive the ball over the wall in right field on a line without issue. Teaching a guy to be able to, to, to pull is like with his athleticism and his bat speed, I'm not remotely concerned. Um, I, I'm excited to see what, what it looks like when it all comes together for him. Well, you just ID'd the weakness. So I, I don't know. Are we sure he's top five? <laughs> yeah. He specifically can't pull hard stuff in as well as he should it sounds it, yeah it sounds like he's a flawed prospect and he should probably be in the 80 range yeah what yeah, sucks 100%. is Cruz at second overall that probably means he's being left out of the next bowman draft yeah that seems to be the way they do it and given that it's dylan Cruz, he might be left out of the next bowman draft which stinks so here's the deal he's going to be a crazy chase um it feels like it'll be worth it, though, because he's borderline blooping perfect at this point. And you should track Dylan Cruz cards whenever they become available on alt.xyz, alt.xyz. The only place to search for cards is alt.xyz. Alt allows you to combine all the major marketplaces and eBay at one time. It's a free app. So you download it. Link is in our episode description. You download it, you type Dylan Cruz, and like nothing's going to pop up right now, but when he inevitably does, or if you want to type Ade Amador in there, yeah, you, you type his name into the search bar, or you type a specific card into the search bar, and Alt is going to return you every Amador card you can find, and eventually every Cruz card you can find that's available for sale. If there's nothing there, they will ping you. They'll literally send you a push notification if it is there, you're never going to use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. Alt.xyz link is in our episode description. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the best part about it is being able to be pinged whenever a card that you're looking for is on the market. 
And that's the feature that I 100% love the most. And then also being able to, to price their price guide is awesome. They're showing you kind of every recent sale as well from eBay to every other marketplace. So you have an idea of you know what you have and what it's worth uh, or, or what you should list it for as well. Uh, so it's, it's a great place for all of that good stuff. Link in episode description. Um, last thing I'll say on cruise. I mean, so far as a professional, like we can only work on like small sample size theater here. Uh, I mean, the spray charts kind of back up everything that we've said, like a lot of hard hit balls the other way. Uh, he, he has crushed some hangers pull side, but for the most part, it's velocity. He's going hard the other way. Um, I'm, I, I know that this is something that Cruz is going to rectify. And once he starts lifting the ball in the air a little bit more pull side, and again, also you can leverage your hitters counts to get comfortable doing that and then, and then get to your spot. I will take this any day of the week because this is a guy that, you know, I think once he gets to a place where, hey, I can drive it the other way with authority and stays on it better, he's going to be able to hit breaking balls that, you know, maybe fool him a little bit that are a ball off the plate and poke it the other way for a hit. And I think it's going to be one of those guys where it's just how do I get him out? Um, but for now, it's it's being able to stay on those sliders. And I think that's going to be the thing to work on because it's, it's a little bit of a catch-22. I want to be able to hit – I want to be able to go pull side more and hit the ball with authority pull side more. But I also want to be able to stay on sliders and drive them the other way. And I think right now he's getting caught in between professionally. That's the only specific nitpick. But to wrap up, what do you think it all looks like? when it all comes together for Cruz. Cause I, I do think it's, it's a little closer to 20 home run power than 30 home run power, just based on yeah. like the kind of guy he is. Cause I think he's lead the league in doubles type more than he is like hit 40 homers type, but I think he's going to hit for average. I think he's going to hit a ton of doubles. I think he's going to hit some home runs and I think he's going to play a good defense in center field. Like, what do you what do you see at the end for Dylan Cruz? I, I see the most well-rounded player in baseball. Like, to be totally honest, I, yeah. I think this guy, I don't have as keen a hitting eye as you do. So, you know, I didn't even see like the, oh, you know, he's – I didn't see the slider issue in double. What I just see is a perfect baseball player. Yeah, and he's damn it, close. It, like, what's crazy is, yes, you know, limited ceiling in each of the five tools – and by limited ceiling, I just mean not 80 grade. Like he could be 60 across the board. And if he's 60 across the board, we're looking at Mookie Betts with less juice. Than yeah. Center field. And it's it's an insane comp to to lay on that guy. But this guy is the best college baseball player in recent memory. Yeah. He's amazing. No, I mean, he can be, I, I'm excited to see what it looks like, because I the, the one thing, the last thing I'll say is, is the mobility in the box, the hip mobility, the moves that he's able to make in there. Should, like he can use that to his advantage to be a very tough hitter to get out and get off all different types of swings that you just got guys envy that kind of mobility and movement. Yeah. So number I, I four think he's borderline perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really is like for a prospect. It's just, it's, it becomes just the nuances of, of what you're doing pitch to pitch. And that's the separating factor guy that's really perfected those nuances or at least elevated in so many ways is Jordan Lawler. And I know that this is one that I know you're pumped to see him ranked where he is ranked while we're already reaching triple a right at his 21st birthdays is something else. And by the way, Jack has not blinked in triple a he has hit safely in every single game at the triple a level. And this is such a perfect candidate for a go nuclear type in triple a similarly, because EVs, like pretty much, and this puts things in perspective here, by the way, on Ade Amador. EVs are pretty much the same as Ade Amador, slightly higher at 102.5, 90th percentile exit velocity. 20% chase rate's unbelievable. Contact rate's really, really good. Hits the ball in the air, though, consistently. Only a 37% ground ball rate. So you start looking at that, and you're like, oh, you're going to put this guy in altitude? I think he's going to go insane in, in AAA for the rest of this year and then into next year. And what really stands out to me, this guy rarely misses a fastball, like just demolishes heaters, which I love that because like, of course, you have to hit heaters to be good. But if you're going to be like almost all of these prospects are going to have some sort of struggle with breaking balls. If over your last 60 games, you're hitting 370, 485, 640 against fastballs with more walks than strikeouts, takes a little bit of pressure off of your ability to hit the breaking balls. Yes, he could be better against sliders. Uh, he, you know, he has a 670 OPS against him this year, but he hardly chases them at an 18% clip, 
So that hedges that for me. He's crushed curveballs. He's crushed changeups. It's like his only issue is sliders, which he doesn't chase. You can succeed if you never fix that. And then we can talk about the 70 run. We can talk about the defense. Like this guy is a star in the making for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. Only thing that I'd like, I don't, and I'm not even pushing back. I'm just curious. I was thinking he was closer to like a 65 future in the field. Why do you think he's 55 and not 65? I might be wrong because like, this could change. My only concern is his arm. Okay. I, there was there were so many plays that like I wondered. I'm like, is that going to be made at the big league level? Like the, the arm is just not totally there. And I mean, that's a really big separating factor for me. Like when I'm looking at yeah. guys and how they translate to the big league level, his hands are unbelievable. His actions are really good. His his range is impressive, and he seems to just put himself in spots where the arm doesn't seem to hold him back enough to where like, you know, he has to move off of the position, but it's average at best. And like, I, I feel like at the big league level to be a plus defender, you got to be making these plays that stretch your range. And like, he can get to him. Is he going to make the throws? But would it surprise you if Jordan Waller ends up developing a plus arm? If he does, then, yeah, then he's a plus defender. But for me, my, my question was like, if I'm looking at DRS and that's what I'm trying to project here, which is probably the hardest thing to do. I wonder how much the arm limit limits him because I, I saw an average arm at best. Got you. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, honestly, it might just be accuracy because his range is incredible. You've got 70 runner and I think all the clips that we've seen are of the insane range. So the question is, can he make the play to the backhand? Is the throw not going to get there in time? That in turn is infield singles and not errors. So this guy, I think, will always be viewed as a if he can get to the ball and DRS is is way higher grade than like my P brain can think of. But if he can get to the ball and the throw is just a beat late each time, DRS is going to be negatively impacted. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what I'm looking at. But again, like if you His get more quicker like, than still, everybody else, I'll take him to out. double Myers war. I will take him not double, but like that, that was a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but like I will take him to clear Myers war by a lot because I think he's a much better defender. No doubt. And, and also though, like there's, there's examples like Joey Wendell is a guy that one of the weakest arms in, in, in big league infield, but he gets it out so quick that like, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, again, I, I probably could justify the 50 present, 60 future on the glove. And, and I'd love to get another like in-person look at Lawler now more recently defensively. I think yeah. he's without a doubt an above average big league glove at short. Um, and maybe if he can get it out quicker, he's such a freak athlete that it'll work. But yeah, I, I have a little bit of arm bias at the shortstop position. That said, absolutely becoming a menace on the base paths. 33 for 37 in double A. He's two for three so far in triple A. Um, that's a huge part of his game. I think he's going to be a 2020 or 2030 threat, 2040 threat. And again, you get the above average defense. He's going to always walk because the chase rate at 20% is really what puts him over the top for me because it's like this guy is going to be just so hard to strike out. Yeah. Number three, Jackson Chorio, Milwaukee Brewers. Um, this guy's gone absolutely nuts since basically the tact ball was taken out of circulation. I think people, you can credit that to a point, but I honestly just think it's, it's, it was Jackson Chorio getting comfortable at the double a level in a season where he was 18 when it started and now is 19 and five months. Um, since the tact balls were taken out of circulation, we're looking at, 340, 390, 571 slash line with eight homers. It's power to all fields. The defense has been slightly disappointing for me in terms of like, I was hoping he'd develop into this very special defensive center fielder. And I think he looks like he could be a good one out there. Um, He could be elite in a corner. I think he can develop into an above average defender in center field. Um, But what I've been really impressed by is back to ball has continued to improve the, the approach is just overall continue to improve. The ability to go the other way has improved. And he's just settled into double A as a 19-year-old. It's like it's like he's just matured before our eyes this season. And I mean, this is a guy that could debut right at right at 20. 
Like that's that's remarkable. He could debut potentially before in his twentieth birthday. Yeah. So what? He's nineteen. He'll turn twenty on March eleventh. Mm, no, March eleventh. Yeah. So he won't debut before he turns twenty. Oh, it's true. He can't. He can't. Yeah. Because um, season starts March thirty. Yeah. March. So a whole debut. He could debut right after his twentieth birthday, though, which is absurd. That plays. That'll really play. Um, the stolen bases are incredible. The power at that age is stupid. This guy looks like he's 24 and he's 19. That's the thing that we're going to get to with with number two as well and number one, quite frankly. And number one looks yeah. 12, but he also looks 40 at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's like a weird Benjamin Button type spin zone we got going on with, with number one. But Turio, like, here's the thing about the top three. These guys look like adult males and they're all teenagers or is 220? Um, is two? I think two's a teenager. Is two twenty? Who's two? I think two's a teenager. <laughs> Who's two? You know who? You know who two? Is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He just turned twenty. He just he just 20. turned twenty. Like okay, days ago. Um, that that's that's the most incredible thing to me. It's like this guy's just an adult at nineteen years old, and he plays the game like an adult. And you've got sixty present on the raw power, seventy future, sixty present at nineteen years old with a seventy run anomaly yeah. type stuff yeah i mean that's that's when when you got multiple sevens <laughs> that's some scary shit that's scary um, shit 106 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velocity and then the plus plus run to me it's like a cunha light um you know because yeah. that's what you get with a cunha right you get the 70 run you get the 80 power i don't think he's gonna have the 80 power um but you have the and i and now Acuna's turned into a, a 60 hitter which is just asinine but yeah Churio is not going to be a fringy hitter. He's going to he's going to be an above average hitter. So I, I see Acuna light, which is real. <laughs> Acuna light's fucking good, man. That's nuts. I mean, we're talking NL MVP, but like slightly poor man, slightly so below, slightly, yeah, slightly below the like the the, the NL MVP. Um, yeah, whatever. And and who knows? He might develop into even more. Like that's the craziest part. And mind you, Acuna can't play center. He plays a subpar right. Okay, give me a little bit less offense. Pachurio's playing everyday center field, potentially. Like, sign me up. Yeah. Number two, Junior Caminero, uh, who was traded for Tobias Myers, in case anybody forgot, um, a few years back. Junior Caminero, I mean, the Rays, this is a big part of their future. you got to feel really good about what you got here. I just went on Locked on Rays. Love those guys over there. They do an un- unbelievable job, Kevin, and Ulysses. Uh, if you're a Rays fan, definitely check that out. And they were kind of asking me, like, what was the, what was the separating factor of, like, what made Junior Caminero, uh, you know, the number two prospect in baseball? I mean, that's that's really high well, below a guy that's the consensus number one in Jackson Holiday. And I didn't get into the X, Y axis nerdy stuff like I was talking about with you. But that, remember that chart I sent you, Jack, it's we did X, Y axis of 90th percentile exit velocity and zone contact. Now, Junior Caminero is no, you know, he's no Adel Amador with the contact. But guys with 90th percentile exit velocities like Junior Caminero are Aaron Judge is, is, is elevated, of course. But yeah. if we're talking minor leagues, it's Owen Casey. It's not even James Wood, but a guy from that cloth. It's guys who whiff a ton. Junior Caminero doesn't whiff a ton. So you had a guy at the top of the y-axis and then a guy that was, you know, kind of over by the average contact guys in the x-axis and that's real like that's incredible if you're going to be at the top 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 of one of the you know two key barometers we're looking at and you're not deficient in the contact department that's unbelievable all that's basically saying junior caminero has a 90th percentile exit velocity that would put him among the best in major league baseball 110.5 miles per hour that's a joke it's an absolute joke 110.5 110.5 miles per hour. That's, I think, the best figure in the minor leagues. You pair that with an 80% zone contact rate, which is right at average. That's awesome. <laughs> and then also another guy where if we want to give him the same treatment of like, hey, since the tax ball was taken out of circulation, since the tax ball was taken out of circulation, 83% zone contact. He is unbelievable in double A. I mean, this guy just turned 20. It's his age 19 season. 
He's slashing 327, 385, 577, 24 home runs, despite a 50% ground ball rate. This is a dude that could probably lift the ball a little bit more consistently. And this is 40 home run upside with Junior Caminero. But he might not lift the ball enough to do that. Like Yandy Diaz is a 108 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity guy. And just is never going to hit that many home runs. But guess what? He hits for a ton of average because he hits the ball so hard all the time. Caminero could be that. And that's why I love Caminero so much is you can get the Yanni Diaz outcome or you could get the 40 home run outcome. And I think both are feasible um, and both are different, you know, possibilities based on his development. And then you have the ability to, I think, stick at third or at least play a really good first. I think he sticks at third. I think he's a better defender than Yanni Diaz. It's like an elevated Yandy Diaz, and that's a really, really damn good player. Yandy Diaz is an all-star 10 years out of 10, putting together the year that he's putting together, and he's an MVP. He'll get MVP votes. He won't get first-place votes because Otani's going to get all those, but he's going to get second- or third-place MVP votes, especially with the narrative surrounding the Tampa Bay Rays. So who's to say that Caminero doesn't have an MVP in his future? I'll oh, give no, you another XY axis. Um, the level of violence in his swing and the level of control in his swing, he's topping both. Like somehow this, this is maybe, and you've spent a lot more time watching minor league swings than I have, but in, I don't know, three, four, five years of, of watching minor league swings, this is the most athletically violent and controlled swing at the same time that I think I've ever seen. When we talk about feel for the barrel, that's that's this. Because I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, if you read the first paragraph of my write-up on him, I, I, a lot of the pre-swing moves are like, you know, some yellow flags that you want to, you know, you're like, okay, well, let's see what the contact rates look like. Caminero uses a big leg kick, a barrel tip in his load, but his athleticism in the box and elite bat speed help him be on time despite the louder moves. And that's exactly what it is. He's also simplified the moves a little bit which I think now he probably feels like he has an eternity um, and it works for him. Like there's guys that it just works for. And I agree. I think it's controlled violence and it's some of the most impressive controlled violence you will see. And that's why I'm a full believer in, in junior Caminero. I think he's clear cut the number two prospect in the game. And, you know, you can make a case has higher upside than Jackson holiday. The difference is Jackson holiday I think is the safest bet to be a big league regular. <laughs> you know, like we, we've seen in a little bit, right? Like this guy just like hasn't blinked anywhere, anywhere. And it's re- absolutely remarkable because he's just scraping the surface of what I think he could potentially be. So we'll wrap up with the number one prospect in Major League Baseball, the number one prospect in the 2022 draft, Jackson Holiday. Not breaking anything crazy here. Um, I think he's pretty much the consensus number one prospect. He has one of the best approaches you're going to see from a teenager uh, running a chase rate uh, at sub 20% despite climbing up levels rapidly. He started this year in low A. He's already in double A and putting up a 147 WRC plus in double A. Uh, His defense, while a little bit raw at shortstop, you can see the tools to be a plus shortstop. Uh, The bat to ball is impressive. I talked about, you know, how, he kind of can improve the lower half a little bit to tap into more power, sometimes leaves the ball a little bit, but his feel for the barrel and his ability to hold the back hip is so impressive that he still consistently makes contact. He has so much more power in the tank. Like I think he will develop into above average, maybe even plus power. And he's just scraping the surface of it. Another guy, 102.5 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. But I think he can easily get that to 104 by next year as he adds some more strength and continues to mature. Um, this guy's been absolutely incredible this year. Patient approach, good field to hit, just a knack for hitting in general. Like he sprays the ball all over the field. And once that power starts becoming more of a part of his game, which I think it will, right now it's more doubles than homers. He's got 33 doubles and triples this year. <laughs> like it's game over. This guy's going to be a perennial all-star. Uh, he is road to the show on rookie mode. But he's better than that because nobody that plays Rose to the show is patient. Like they just swing no, it yeah, out. Like, no way. So like yeah. he's somehow better than like a video game level. Um, yeah. Bump that ETA up two years, man. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's twenty twenty four bound. Yeah, can you believe that? Because going into this year, I would have. I mean, I didn't blink, and I put twenty twenty six. But yeah, he's 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 up next year at some point. 
Yeah, um, I and like June, not September call up. Like he's up when he dominates triple. When he dominates yeah. triple, like he has not failed yet. And I just wonder where the failure is coming. And we say, hey, push prospects to the point of failure and see how they handle it. Where yeah. is the failure at the big leagues? Like you might have to do it, it. it. Yeah, it would it would happen at the big leagues where like they would start similar to Dylan Cruz, start like busting him in really hard. Um, and 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 okay, <laughs> like. Then, you're not going to get better at that at Norfolk. You're not going to learn like in triple no. A. Like you just he can get away with so games. much. He has the ability to shoot the ball the other way with authority. He has the ability again. Like the one thing is that front side leaving a little early, but the bat lives in the zone forever, so he's still able to succeed. Um, that's the one nitpick. And once he fixes that, he's going to tap into more power. He's going to hit some more home runs, and I think also he's just going to physically strengthen a little bit. That's the one thing that I think is is missing from his game at this point is that his max exit velocity this year, I believe like in the air, you know, he has something he hit into the ground, but his max exit velocity this year in the air is one of six. Like that's not that high. And the fact that he's slugging the way he's slugging just shows you how he's able to backspin baseballs, how he's able to find the gaps. And that's a knack that like, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Once he improves the lower half a little bit and strengthens a little bit more. I mean, dude, you're going to have that knack to hit and the power like it's going to be i think like that kyle tucker type of offense paired with everyday shortstop ability with plus speed and and a really patient approach i can't wait to see the final product of jackson holiday which is why he's the top prospect in major league baseball dude i'm the one with the lofty comps and you just gave me kyle tucker at shortstop yeah damn it yeah i'm in I love it. Yeah, I mean, you said Mookie Betts already, which is nuts. So uh, we both got ours in. We got ours in on this one. We got ours in. Um, well, that'll do it. Uh, a reminder to pick up if you want to buy some Just Baseball merch. Link is in the episode description. Have this really breathable, comfortable uh, Just Baseball polo uh, with Adidas. Uh, check that out in the link description. We got everything from coffee mugs, T-shirts, hats, whatever you want. Great way to support JB, and we really appreciate it. Also, go check out that alt link. A lot more coming up. We talked about the scheduling that we can, you know, you have to look forward to from September call-ups to, you know, promotions across the game. There'll be more promotions as we're literally recording this, so look out for that. Uh, a couple exciting episodes coming up this week, as well as finally getting to that David Schneider interview. I've not wanted to bother the poor lad as he just has been going nuclear, but we will line up on something this week. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.